In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So last Sunday, we heard a powerful gospel of John the Baptist preaching, baptizing, putting Pharisees and Sadducees in their place, calling them a brood of vipers, and proclaiming the coming of one more powerful than he. The Baptist is the very essence of strength and faith and confidence in God. Before Jesus arrived on the scene, John the Baptist had already accumulated a respectable number of followers, many of whom became the first followers of Jesus. It's pretty obvious that this role defined his life. His impact was great, his mission well-defined. That was last week's gospel. But things began to look different from the inside of his prison cell. And the only words we hear from the Baptist today while he's languishing in prison are words of doubt. And you thought you had a tough week. <laughs> and no wonder, no one seems to be worrying too much about him or bothering with him. Life's going on without him. He's hearing about all these wonderful things that Jesus is doing, and yet there he sits, imprisoned with an uncertain fate. And this, after all he did to set the ministry of Jesus in motion. I can't blame him for feeling a little neglected, and it doesn't surprise me one bit that he was reduced to doubt and despair. He's so despondent, he begins to doubt the very thing his life was all about. In the gospel today, he sends word to Jesus. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Kind of like, remember me from down by the river? I know I've preached to the Messiah, the Savior and all, but I gotta tell you right now, I'm just not feeling it. Guess I should keep on looking. That's from some pretty serious doubt and despair. Maybe it's not you, Jesus. Because you may be out there doing all these things, but I just don't feel you're there for me. John the Baptist goes from being the baptizer, the herald of Jesus, the gatherer of the first sheep, to cynical doubter sending taunting messages to Jesus. So how did he get from there to here? How did it all fall apart? We too have our plunges into despair and doubt. We go from being strong and positive in our faith and happy and satisfied, fulfilled in our lives, and then things start wearing us down. And often we don't even realize it's happening because maybe it's not one big thing, but a lot of little things. Like John, we become imprisoned. We become paralyzed by our fear, our hatred, our limitations. We're imprisoned by our compulsions, our addictions. We become trapped in toxic relationships, stressful jobs, unemployment. We feel locked in imperfect bodies that are limiting our lives. We don't live in the real time of Jesus where we can actually witness and hear about tangible physical healing, but we see other things. We see others getting that promotion or get that job. We see others in great marriages and relationships. We see others with nice families. We see others who enjoy good health. 
And all these things, despite how happy we may be for these others, all these things can result in our isolation from communion with the kingdom of God. Even if we do show up in church and go through the motions, all these things have the power to reduce us to despair and doubt, like John the Baptist, languishing in our prisons and questioning everything. I don't know, Jesus. I'm just not feeling it. I know you've done some amazing stuff, but to put it bluntly, what about me? Where's my miracle? Because isn't that what John in his despair is really asking when he says, are you the Messiah? Are you my Messiah? Isn't that what we're all counting on? John the Baptist was the first one of us, us, those who must believe without seeing. Sure, he was there and he had hands-on experience with Jesus, but once things really started getting interesting, he was separated from it all, locked in his prison. Like us, he heard about the good news of Jesus, but he could not reach out and touch him or see and hear up close and in person all that Jesus was doing and saying. And so he was left to hear the stories and try to make sense of them for himself. Sound familiar? And what happened is the same thing we all sometimes face as we struggle through our lives, despair and doubt. And the disconnect causing this doubt is the same disconnect for us as for John. If I have embraced Jesus as the Messiah, as my Savior, how is it possible that I'm so miserable? How is it possible that all these awful things have happened in my life? Next thing you know, you've landed in your cell with nothing to hold on to, and you wonder how you got there. And how do you get back? How do you put it all back together? While Advent is officially a penitential season, it's also full of hope and expectation. Our other readings today in our canticle, the Magnificat, um, were promising and uplifting, all good things to come, very Adventy. But then we get John despairing and doubting from prison. What a buzzkiller. Yet this story of John the Baptist works for Advent because if even the great John the Baptist whose life and ministry pointed people to God's will and to God's agent, if even he could get so down, well, maybe we're not so terrible when that happens to us. And maybe as we wait and prepare for the coming of Jesus, we're very much like John the Baptist, who sent out a question and is waiting for an answer. So what was Jesus' answer to John's question? He didn't give a direct answer, that's just not his style. Rather, he instructed them to go and tell John what you hear and see, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Jesus concluded with, perhaps to let John know that his question kind of hit a nerve, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me, now, John's reaction to this response might have been, okay, I hear you, that's all very nice, thank you for getting back to me, but hello, I'm still locked up here. <laughs> Did the response he received from Jesus satisfy him, such that he died in peace, 
Or did John die still full of doubts? We don't know. We know nothing of the inner life of John at the end, only of the grisly details of his martyrdom. You know, the... But I hope he took comfort from Jesus' answer and was assured that healing on a much deeper level would occur if he just stayed within the embrace of his Messiah. I hope his spirit was renewed and that he began to understand that he needed to hold up his end of the bargain. You can't claim your Messiah, then sit back and wallow and wait to be saved. You have to reach out. Our faith needs to be proactive. God is right there. God hasn't moved or changed. It's us who have pulled away with our distractions and our human trials, and it's us who need to find our way back. As our calendar year comes to a close and our church year begins this Advent, it's truly a time of renewal, a time to break out of whatever keeps us locked up. And at St. Peter's, we're in a great time of renewal. This Advent, we look for renewal of our own souls and the soul of this parish. But this renewal depends a lot on us. It's a road back, a putting it all back together. The real-time, hands-on physical healing that Jesus performed and that John heard about in prison isn't part of our daily lives. Anyway, that was all to get our attention. But what we have is much stronger. We have the healing that comes with our connection to our faith. And regardless of where our hearts are at this time and what condition our faith is in, Advent is the time to open our hearts and let our personal miracles happen, to proclaim the greatness of the Lord, to let our ears hear, our eyes see, and our hearts open as we allow Jesus to be born once again to us. And that's simply miraculous. That's our miracle. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs>